0: Right. Nigel? Yes, sir? I'm going to, uh... Nigel, I'm going to audition another saxophone player. If you could, uh, keep me on the shelf until I let you know. Nigel? Yes, sir? Thank you, Nigel. My sound man uh, maybe a bit daft. I don't know. Right. If you could, um, just play for me a D-A-B-C. Please. Thank you. <coughs> Right, thank you very much. I will be in touch, presumably, soon. Nigel? Yes, sir? Uh, send in Mr. Rolfs. Yes, sir? Sir? Yes, Nigel? You have a phone call, sir? Patch it through. Douglas Day. Douglas? Uh, Douglas? It's more on the page. Yes, Mortimer, yes, Mortimer, yes, yes. Mortimer, yes, uh, what can I do for you? It's not what you can do for me, Douglas. It's what I can do for you. Mmm. Uh, yes, just take a seat there, Mr. Ross, thank you. Uh, Mortimer, I'm afraid... You should be afraid, Douglas. What are you saying about me? I had nothing to do with your fall from grace. Mmm. Mortimer, um... Can we pick this up at a later time? There is no later time, Douglas. Not for what you done to me. Who you think you are? Nobody treats Mortimer Page like that. Nobody treats Mortimer Page like that and gets away with it. Right. Mortimer, I'm terribly sorry. I'm in the middle of a recording session. Record all you want to, Douglas. Oh, yes. Uh, Thank you, Mortimer. I hope you're well. My best to your family. You too, Douglas. Right, Mr. Ross, how are you this afternoon? Good, Douglas, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Now, let's get right to it. I believe we did a bit of a disservice to our listeners last week. I, I, I didn't properly introduce your text, your manuscript, Hard Water. I'd like to say a word about it to begin. That sounds good. Right, Hard Water, written by Mr. Christopher Ross, takes place during the Civil War. It's divided up into three parts, three sections. Part 1, Chapter 1 to Chapter 11, is called Blooms and Blessings. Part 2, Chapter 12 to Chapter 20, is called Alabaster Dreams. And Part 3, Chapter 21 through 29, is entitled it's got to be sacred, the book itself, or I should say the manuscript, is a mere one hundred and twenty four pages, almost qualifies it as a novella, doesn't it mr ross yeah i guess I guess it does i are novellas a hundred pages in less, or something like that? I believe so. We read your preface, your prologue last week where well, we we started with an epigraph by Archibald MacLeish called An Eternity. We established the themes of living in the present and how death is in some ways only in the mind. And then, Mr. Ross, you read your prologue, in which, uh, very briefly, it's a retelling of an anecdote by the narrator Arthur's older brother Jed, who retells the story of his little brother tackling a farm hand in a pickup football game behind the barn. Apparently, he was about to be obliterated by this man who was running the pigskin up the field. And at the last second, our young Arthur, eight going on nine, as you say, dives at the ruffian's ankles and upends him. So the question is, significance? Well, I wanted to... Establish the the relationship between the two brothers, and of course that becomes more complicated because Jed ends up fighting for the Confederacy while Arthur remains with the Yanks. Mm. But but you really do something for Arthur. You you set him up as as sort of a an underdog, yet also as a hero. He does upend the galloping galoot, does he not? Yeah, definitely. Arthur is is a hero, and uh, that sets him up that way. And And also, his brother talks about how he saw Arthur's name in the war bulletin, witnessed his demise. It's a bit confusing, Mr. Ross. Uh, Is Arthur dead or alive? Well, I'm actually not going to say where he ends up in between those two. extremes. This is really more his story, so I think it's best if we just move on to chapter one and see how it goes. Couldn't agree more, Mr. Ross, whenever you're ready, with chapter one of part one, Blooms and Blessings of the novel, Hard Water. Our fixation and preoccupation with the good death has been more or less obliterated, For when my little sister died, she was surrounded by our kinfolk, gathered around her bedside in her finest clothes, propped up on the daybed downstairs in the front parlor next to the light of the broad bay window, in repose, requiocit, in peace, peace, peace. Guarded by our great Aunt Walda, sitting attentively somewhat vulture-like at the end of my sister's daybed, fanning herself in the July heat staring at the young girl watching the breath come in and out of her nose watching a single strand of sweat gather and run down her forehead settling into the forest of her eyebrow dissipating amongst her fronds of silken hair the young girl gathering grimness admixture of life love fear regret peace acceptance and wonder until she our great aunt walda stands from her perch and bends to wipe June's brow with her cotton handkerchief, embroidered with my sister's very own initials, a rose and a lamb, stitched by our hawk-nosed Aunt Walda herself. A pinkish rose, a black-nosed, black-hoofed lamb, fleece like a cloud. And yes, the small flower, green-stalked and bent, Walda would bring the cotton handkerchief to June's brow, collect the sweat, the fear, the regret, and tears. The dear one is almost gone from us, she would say. Dear, 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 dear one, rest, rest, rest in the eternal glory of God Almighty. You have fought your battles and have represented us well. You and your body shall be put back together once you reach the pearly gates, and you will be reunited with all our kin. Dear flower, apple of your mother's eye, are soon to meet your maker, and that's good. He will take your broken body and reassemble it. He will clothe you in cotton night dresses, free flowing that will not cling or sting, but help you fly free to do the bittersweet business of reuniting with your soul. Yes, your soul and body will become one again. You know, sweet darling, your soul goes first. Leaves, lights, and floats upward to be received by God Almighty and his assessors. And, well, there really is no such thing as time there. No delineations into hours, seconds, minutes, months, days, years, etc. An utter suspension of time's yoke, my dear. Let's just say after we're done with it. Your corpus, that is, wept over, stroked, clothed in your best cotton summer dress. Prayed over by Parson Nelson, placed neatly in the red velveteen coffin, closed and deposited into the deep, dark, forgiving ground. Soon to be feasted upon by worms and wept upon through a welter of words, then and only then will you transubstantiate into another form, levitate, transubstantiate, up, up, and away into the waiting arms of the Father Almighty, who, in his infinite wisdom, will reassemble your parts and make you new again and lead you to your ghostly kinfolk, all gathered round a long picnic table sharing stories, watermelon hot dogs and hamburgs, relish, mustard, baked beans and potato salad, All of it and none of it a blessing for you, as you will be among your own blood and your own kin, and you will be happy, so happy, to regale them with your stories of cats and dogs and people you once loved, and of me, myself, your own great Aunt Walda, who ushered you from this life and on to the next. Yes, there is such a thing, my darling, as the good death, a mere image, really, of the good life, a life filled with gratitude, duty, responsibility, and humility, peacefulness quietude soft like this cotton yet strong now darling when you get up there make sure you send my regards to the family tell my brother i will beat him yet in cribbage and please please tell my sister i've perfected the crust for the strawberry rhubarb pie thanks to the missive she sent down to me as of late can you imagine all these years as an old woman and not until the past few have i perfected that pie well lill was always the better baker that's all She went in for bacon and I went in for skinning frogs, spreading their legs and frying them up in bacon grease. Oh, how your grandfather loved that meal. Almost as much as my fried sunfish, perch and walleye. And the eyes do have walls and the walls do have eyes and I see them closing in all around you. And I hear you suffer in your throat and in your wheezy breathing and I know your time is coming soon. And I know you know as well, child, that it's coming, it's coming Your very own day of reckoning. Nobody can take that away from you. And here I am, your great Aunt Walda, bending over your expiring mouth, your open and dappled, far-off, distant eyes, to pat your brow with cotton cloth, to ease you on your way to the grand journey, the grand reunion, the good death. Amen. Well done, Mr. Ross. Thanks Douglas. We're still getting our footing here in terms of structure and structuring the format. I believe I'd rather have you read on chapter two than for me to say anything about chapter one. We can, if that's okay with you Mr. Rawls. That's fine Douglas. Chapter two. And so I Younger sister to two older brothers, sore beatitudes. No other way to describe it than to say, free of my body, my compulsions, my doubts, my fears, flouncing freely through the cottony clouds, on my way to the perfect appointment, a reckoning and and stepping down into the corridor of kindness. Friends and neighbors, no ill thought, a mule-drawn cart transports me to family number 308. There they are, up from the picnic table at the conservation club, offering me hugs and passing me hot dogs, hamburgs, corn on the cob, potato salad, nacho pie, more hugs, and laughter. I look at my arm, my hand, my forearm, and it is my arm. I suspended in the air and marvel at the skin, the touch, the word appendage. Trundles through my mind the grand reunion, the horseshoe pit, the clanging of ringers, wiffle ball, throwing curves and knucklers, digging into strawberry rhubarb pie, and lil, and lil. Aunt Walda bade me tell you she got your missive. She couldn't understand why her crusts were so dry until she received your missive about room-temperature lard. Made all the difference. And at last, her pies equal your own in delectability. She loves you and misses you. And Aunt Lil replies, I miss my dear Sister Walda too, darling niece, and we welcome you to your reconstituted family. You see your cousin Tom, still averse to mashed potatoes. Your Aunt Beth, simply the best concocter of wild strawberry jam. Cousin Bob cleaning fish on the spread out Sentinel. The terrifically round old beagle Trixie coming round for scraps. Your grandma and grandpa playing gin and going down with two. Your grandma recording the daily temperature. Your grandpa retiring from the car table and sunning his bare torso in his white and green lawn chair. Your ancestors playing croquet. SEND HIM! SEND HIM! After you finish your picnic lunch, we'll traipse on over and listen to your grandpa reconstruct those glorious gorge-bound days of hunting crayfish and skiddling down the slippery rock funnel into the ice-cold pool below. And then we'll have a bowl of that salt-kissed homemade vanilla ice cream of your old neighbor, Mr. Davin. And I will have rest here. And I will have peace. It is not so bad as one may think. A good death makes all the difference. I look down on my brother now, about to head off to war, and can only wish him luck from afar. There's me mammy, saying her goodbyes and doling out advice, no doubt. She loved us all, but this second-born son was different, sensitive, don't know what kind of killer he'll make, but he's crafty enough to stay alive. Bon voyage, young prince. Folks up here be asking about you and send their best. Folks say keep your powder dry, Your cousin Jeff says that old mama bullhead is still king of the conservation club, Crick. He reckons she's nigh a 12-pounder. That old mama bullhead's too smart to take a hook. She floats down low in the middle of the pool and her 50 gray babies swarm around her in an ever shape-shifting school. Wonderful image to end the chapter with. That's... Chapter 2, Chapter 1 and 2, read today by our author, Mr. Christopher Ross. That will be the conclusion of our show. Next week, we will have Mr. Ross, uh, we will discuss Chapters 1 and 2, and have Mr. Ross read on. Until then, this is Douglas Day, signing off for Book Smart Peace. Nigel, get me a uh, Mortimer Page on the line, please. Yes, sir. Hello, Mortimer. Yeah, this is Douglas Day. Yeah, what, what do you want, Douglas? I wanted to apologize.